Well, good evening, church family. I know there's a different face up here. It is not Pastor. It is not Pastor Connie either. So, for those of you that do not know me, most of you do, my name is Nikolai. I am the son-in-law of Pastor and Connie. First, I just wanted to say thank you to Pastor and Pastor Connie for allowing me the opportunity to speak tonight. And the pulpit is a special place, especially in this church. We have incredible teaching, deep teaching, word teaching, lively teaching, teaching that matters, that saves our lives. I will do my best to be just a little close (laughs) to pastor. But tonight I I chose a topic tonight that I, um, that resonates, I believe, with, with, with a lot of us right now, especially with world situations, work situations, even personal things in lives. And I titled this message tonight, Make Up Your Mind. Overcoming confusion with wisdom. And the foundational verse that I wanted to talk about tonight is from Joshua 1.8. states, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read and meditate in it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance to with all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. It not only tells you what to do, it tells you how to do it and what the outcome is going to be when you're done. You will be successful. The Hebrew word for meditate, I wanted to kind of pull this apart before we go into the actual uh, crux of the teaching tonight. To meditate, actually the Hebrew coming from the word haga, which means to ponder, to care for, to attend, and carefully practice. So when I think of meditation, it almost brings a connotation of almost negativity. There's, from a Christian's perspective, it's not like meditation from an Eastern world perspective. When you look at, from a Christian's perspective, when you meditate on the Word, you're looking at the Word. You're learning from the Word. You are reading God's Word and His promises, whereas the Eastern world, they talk about meditation as praying to Buddha and actually saying, I'm emptying my mind, I'm releasing those negative emotions, whereas when we're meditating on the Word, we are gaining strength and remembering God's character and how we trust in God. And we remember the specific ways in which God has proven His faithfulness, not only now, but also in the present time. So how do we do this? Well, I came up with some five R's that can help. We read the Word. If you're not reading the Word every single day, you pick it up. Pick it up in the first thing in the morning. So read it. Reflect on it. You imitate the Word. Third is remember it. Fourth is recount it and share it with others. And five, act on the Word. Respond to it. Psalm 63, 6 says, I lay awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. And Psalm 1, 2, 
but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Psalm 119, 15 through 16, I will study your commandment and reflect on your way. I will delight in your decrees and never forget your word. That's the NLT version. So before I start doing that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the brain. What does the brain look like? What does the brain do? It's three pounds of remarkable matter. So I wanted to give you some statistics on the brain. I thought these were really interesting. I know the kids are not here, but I will probably repeat this tomorrow for their school session. So it's made up of billions of neurons, nerve cells that communicate trillions of connections within your synapses, your brain. It talks to your organs, talks to your body. And keeping your brain healthy is vital to living your life. So number one, 60% of your human brain is made up of fat. Who would have thunk? Number two, your brain isn't fully formed until the age of 25. So when when your mom tells you, get your head on straight, say, Mom, I'm not 25 yet. Number three, your brain's storage capacity is, is considered virtually unlimited. I was shocked by that, quite frankly. Number four is one of my favorites. <clears throat> brain information travels up to an impressive 268 miles per hour. So when a neuron is stimulated, it, it travels very quickly. It's charged and goes to exactly where it needs to go. So a quick fun fact on 268 miles per hour, since I'm a car fanatic like Mr. Darrell and my son, Chenzo, the Bugatti Veyron Super Sport has a top speed of 268 miles per hour. It has an 8-liter quad-turbo charged W16 engine with 1,200 horsepower. And I can tell you that by memory. But it's close to a million dollars sometimes. And on average, number six here, on average, your spinal cord stops growing at four years old. I thought that was very interesting, knowing that how young your body finalizes one of the most important vital things in your life. Number six, the spinal cord is the main source of communication between the body and the brain. We just talked about that. Number seven might be a little bit of a shock to you. It's a myth that you only use 10% of your brain. You actually use all of it. I said, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, for that. I was thinking I only use 10%. Well, if God gave you a three-pound you know, brain, sure, let's use 100% of what God gave you. So don't, don't sell yourself short here. We said that it weighs three pounds. Number nine, brain freeze is real. It actually does happen. It's so when, when this occurs, the pain occurs when cold hits the receptors in the outer covering of the brain called the meninges. The cold creates a dilation and, con- and contraction of arteries ca- causing a rapid onset headache. So when we do our daily or weekly Rita's run during the summertime, we all complain about having colds in our heads, right? But it's so much fun. Uh, Number 10, a piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses. You're talking about a God that has created your body so complex and so intricately, thinking, I think I'm going to create 100 billion synapses in Miss Ethel's brain. 
in Ms. Rashawn's brain. How incredible of a creator do we have? The human brain can generate about 23 watts of power, <laughs> enough to power a light bulb. So you take your brain out of your skull, you might actually be able to light a light bulb. So I'm, I'm getting here to a, a certain fact here. So I want to talk a little bit about what, how does negativity on the brain, what is the effect of negativity on the brain, and what does it do? So when you have emotionally charged, char, you know, charged thoughts, what happens to your brain? And I was curious about this. I was, um, before I had studied music and business in my life, I actually wanted to study surgery. I wanted to be a reconstructive surgeon. I wanted to do noses and have a good time with that. And a lot of you don't know that about me, that I actually took two years of biology. So pastor and I actually have a, little, a lot of similarities that many of you don't know about. And they say that, um, I won't get them. But. So how does negativity affect your brain? Negative thinking leads to decreased cognitive functioning. You can't think as clearly. You have foggy brain. Your immune system goes down. Your anxiety levels are raised. Recurrent negative thinking, you'll always have a negative response to every situation in your life. And then anger and hostility take over your life. What a way to live, right? So the first step to making up your mind, overcoming confusion with wisdom, is you have to have a devoted mind. We're looking at from Matthew 22, uh, verses 33 through 37. The Pharisees, they were trying to stump Jesus in this. They were trying to interrogate him, which Jesus always outdid them. They tried to outsmart them with their responses. But as you can imagine, the Pharisees were always on the hunt to demean Jesus at every chance they got. But Jesus always outwitted them. Matthew 22, verses, I think it's starting with 33, maybe 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, lawyers are very good at interrogation, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. They were trying to trick him in that situation. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So when we fill our minds with Scripture and live according to his principles, Satan's schemes, they lose their power over us, right? And when we make the word priority, we get to enjoy the good life. We get to enjoy peace, strength, and victory. But with victory comes consistency. That means we have to be devoted to the word, right? Number two is a dedicated mind. We have to have the attitude of Christ. Of course, I won't do justice to the story of Joseph as pastor has, but I'm going to use Joseph as his example. We can learn so much with Joseph within his faithfulness, his resistance to temptation, to God's sovereignty, to forgiveness and faithfulness. Joseph was the prime example of faithfulness during his entire life. He suffered. He was sold into slavery. He didn't react in anger. I mean, your brothers or sisters sold you into slavery with and, and took you out back, essentially. You'd be pretty upset. I would be. He suffered a lot. He lost a lot. He lost his family. 
but he didn't react in anger. He didn't get bitter. He certainly wasn't lazy. Everything he touched, God blessed, right? God gave him, and what he did with it, he did it with his whole heart. And the temptation piece, he resisted temptation. Day after day, even when he had the pressure build up, he didn't give in. Rather than he ran away. He, he fled those situations, as we're told to do. And this was due to because of his re- close relationship with God. And God's sovereignty, with a number of the disasters in Joseph's life, God was sovereign in every way possible. Even with all the actions and evil actions of man that tried to bring into Joseph's life, because of this, God greatly blessed him with every task and everything that his hands touched was blessed. And forgiveness, that's a big topic. Joseph was treated worst by his family. I always find that forgiveness sometimes is the hardest with your own family. When somebody does outdoes you or does you wrong, it's hard to go back sometimes, right? But Joseph was treated worse by his family. He made he was made a slave. He didn't get bitter or hold grudges. Instead, he forgave them, recognized God's sovereignty, and he showed true forgiveness to his family. I mean, even at the end, I'm was so fascinated at, at the end, even though he knew his brothers, his brothers didn't know him, him sitting on the throne, I still get chills where Joseph, sitting on the throne, could have said, see, I told you, this is where I was going to be, and you thought I was joking, uh, and he could have sent them to prison. He said, you know what, I'm going to send you to prison, you're not going to have any association with me whatsoever, but he didn't. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So don't be selfish. Don't try and press others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. In verse 5, you must have the attitude that Jesus had. Ephesians four, twenty-two: Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That takes work. Just like you're going to put clothes on every day, you've got to put on the new nature that God has given you. Stop telling, in verse 25, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors just the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's one of the things that Alyssa and I, we, we I believe, you know, maybe with the exception of maybe two or three nights, we don't go to bed angry. It's so important to not open that door and allow that door to, to open and fester and allow Satan to work there. I'm reminded of a story that Bre- um, Brother Hagen said about an epileptic boy. He was at a church and there was, you know, for example, one year ago he came back and he was familiarized with a gentleman out in in the congregation 
And uh, he said, oh, he, he, he was healed of uh, epilepsy. So, and, but he knew his spirit you know, told him. He said um, he was healed from epilepsy, but for the last month ago, for about a month or so, he's had three attacks of these epileptic seizures. So he called the man up and said, um, by the spirit, he said, hey, you've been suffering with these epileptic seizures for the last 30 days, and I know why. You left the door open to the enemy. The reason why you left the door open to the enemy is because you went to bed afraid. You left that door totally open. And so Brother Hagen offered some assistance and said, I'm going to take care of that. So he um, helped release all that that was happening in that gentleman's body. He told him, this is what you need to do now. You need to submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So any time... You go to bed, you don't go to bed afraid. You go to bed confident. You you go to bed with the good thoughts of the word. You go to bed speaking the word of God that over you. And don't allow the enemy to come in because he'll try and find every side door and back door and window to come open. That's why we lock our doors at night too, right? I hope you do. <laughs> so number two was <clears throat> having a dedicated mind. Number three is disciplined mind. We all know this scripture from 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So the story with Timothy and Paul writing together. Now Paul was really the encourager of Timothy. He was struggling. He was scared. He was anxious. Um, he was the pastor of, of Ephesus, and he was nervous about the time that he was living in with Nero being the leader there and what he was doing to Christians. I won't go into certain details, but the fact that uh, Nero thought that Christians being burned alive was entertainment was just the beginning of the atrocities that were happening in that Nero and his demonic goons were doing to these Christians. So he was scared. Timothy was afraid. But Paul was responding to his letter, <clears throat> and he said, you need to have power. You need to have no fear. I've, God has given you no fear. You need to have power. You need to have love and a sound mind. So I wanted to break down, what is a sound mind? So it actually comes from the Greek word sophroneo, which is, pastor talked about it this past weekend, Compounds of the word sozo, meaning saved or delivered, or as Brother Hagen or Brother Copeland would say, saved, healed. I also think the same thing. I've heard Brother Copeland say the same thing many, many times. Save, healed. It suggests, sozo suggests something that is delivered, rescued, revived, that's salvaged and protected, but now safe and secure. The second part of that, of sound mind, comes from the Greek word phroneo which is a person's intelligence, but total frame of thinking, including rationale, logic, emotions. So when you're under this amount of stress and Nero is going after you, you're not thinking logically. You're not in the right space. You're not in the right mind. But Paul encourages them and says, you need to, you need to have a sound mind. I like what Rick Renner said about this in his interpretive version. It could be translated as God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love. 
And then he goes further. He has given you a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. If you know Rick Renner, he's a very, very wordy individual, and he rips apart the Greek very much. So therefore, you have the authority. You have the right, you have the privilege to call into action. You, t- you tell the devil, be quiet. <laughs> I do that, quite frankly. I do that often, but, and just go from it. Nope, oh, nope. That thought does not need to enter the mind. You need to go. And declare that your mind is sound, safe, and secure. You, t- you, you tell your mind, my mind is safe, sound, and secure. Because the Bible tells me that I have no fear, I have power living in me, sound mind, and love. Going further, First Peter in one thirteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the New King New King James version. The Amplified reads it this way: So prepare your minds. There's work to be done to prepare your minds. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-discipline spiritually and morally alert. Not only does it require action, action to stay in the word, to speak the word, but it also tells you to stay alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's the amplified version of 1 Peter 1.13. So I mentioned this as one of the openings a while back ago about a runner uh, back in the Oriental days, they'd run with these robes. They'd have these dangling, um, I don't even know what you call it, but these dangling things that were at the end of their garments. And so when you run, you don't want to be tripping over them. So what they would do is they would gird up their loins. They would put them in their belt so they wouldn't trip. So they and they, they would call them uh, loins. Uh, and so dangling those loins, those thoughts grab a hold of those and put them away. Correct those parts of your thinking that we know are wrong. Pastor said one day, don't become good at the wrong things. Put those wrong thoughts and wrong things behind you. And don't continue to make the same mistakes from your past. So if there are loose ends in your life, get rid of them, get rid of them quickly, move on. It's easier said than done, but past hurts, regrets, call those stinking thinking. Get rid of it. (laughs) Get rid of them all. And what are you doing about those loose ends in your life? Are there areas that need attention? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you in these areas. Ask the Holy Spirit as you pray in your quiet time to to help them remove, but then focus on the good things that God is doing for your life. Focus your attention on something else rather than what somebody else has done wrongfully to you. So make the deliberate choice to submit every area of your mind, your emotions to the Word of God. Number four. I hope I'm not moving too quickly for you guys. If you are, let me know. Number four, determined mind. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. This is the character of a new man. So let the word of Christ 
<clears throat> I believe, uh, let me see here. I have verses 16 and 17. I don't have the um, the place, but I will find it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Set your minds on the things above. Uh, Lisa and I, we often talk together about what heaven would be like. And we don't, we didn't always talk about that. And, you know, going through, you know, during our lots of time in the car, uh, I love talking about heaven. I love talking about the things that are from God. I love um, reminiscing about what it, what would be like and, and putting those thoughts rather in my mind than trying to focus on something else that is maybe trying to take me off track. You know, if, if you're working a lot, if you're doing other things that are trying to keep you away, have a determined mind. Have a determined mind to set your goals and saying, no, I absolutely will not fix those thoughts. I will not allow those thoughts to enter my mind. <clears throat> and set your minds on the things above and not the things on the earth. I'm okay. And number five, a diligent mind. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What are strongholds? Strongholds is something that's holding you down, that's been holding you down for a long time. That could be something physical. That could be something in your mind. That could be uh, people in your life, strongholds. And those arguments that come into your mind, oh boy, here they come. What am I going to say next? What am I going to do next? You grab a hold of those thoughts. <clears throat> and then number six, you have to develop your mind. And we do this by Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transforming your mind is, a, is an absolute continuous process. You have to keep going with it. You have to renew your mind. This is a renovation of your mind. So if you're transforming your mind, you have to go from some old habits to some new habits and tell yourself, hey, I need to change some of these old habits that I've had and transform them. So if we if we dwell on the hurts, anxiousness, fear will take over. But if we dwell on Christ, peace will prevail. We want peace in our life. We want peace to be the top of our lives. We want to walk in peace. We want to share peace with people. And we want to know that we're doing the right thing in a peaceful way all the time. <laughs> Amen? John Deloney, uh, Alyssa listens to somebody from um, Dave Ramsey, and I think he's a Ph.D. psychology, but um, he, he mentioned about your body. You've got to keep score. 
your body keeps score. We were talking a little bit about how the negativity of the brain affects your body. It absolutely does. When your body is um, going through all those negative thoughts and anxiousness, you know, I've seen people shake because they're anxious or get angry. I find it funny sometimes, Lumi, when she gets angry, she'll shake a little bit and she'll, she'll get a little anxious. She gets over it quickly, but it's funny. And so I just tell her, calm down. It's over. It's all right. You're only three. It's, you know, but, um, the body keeps score. It's very important to <clears throat> take these six steps, and I'd be happy to share them with you if you didn't write them down. But take these six steps. Make up your mind to do these things every day. It's, it's crucial to overcoming the confusion in the world. It's crucial to um, introduce wisdom in your everyday life. Um, you know, Amen. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, that you've not that you've given us <clears throat> power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you, Father, for the intricacies of the mind and how it works, Lord. But we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true and holy. Thank you that we have ears to hear and eyes to see the goodness of the things that you've done in our lives, Father. But help us as we go throughout our week to focus on those things that you've done, but also on those things that you're going to do for us, Lord. We thank you. We praise you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that helps us in these situations. It may not always be easy to go through, but your yoke is easy, Lord. We thank you that your word is true. Thank you for, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, guys. It's I hope um, you got everything that you needed jotted down, but if you need extra notes, let me know, and I will gladly give them to you. And have a great night.